Today's daf in Mesechah Saita is daf Yer Aleph. We are going to start at the two dots towards the top of Yer Aleph and Yer Aleph. Really, there's two parts in today's daf. Um, the first part in today's daf um, discusses the contrast to yesterday. I mean, the Mishnah we, we learned yesterday contrasted, actually two days ago, contrasted the Mida Kenegan Mida of Poranus, of punishment, to that of reward. So we're going to discuss now the reward element. And then the second part of today's daf discusses the story of Yetzias Mitzrayim. We're going to go through the Eitz of Paro, what he thought to do towards the Jewish people. And uh, it will carry us through till the end of today's daf discussing all of the proceedings that occurred in that regard. So let's get started towards the top of Yud Aleph and Aleph. Two dots so we said in the Mishnah that Mida Kenegan Mida, Kadosh Baruch Hu pays back measure for measure in regards to punishment, negativity, as we illustrated with Shimsha and Avshalom, etc. And then it said V'chein Le'inyin with regards to Miriam. We also find in regards to reward that the, the good deeds that somebody does are also paid back Mida Kenegan Mida. Miriam, she waited for Moshe for one sha'a, one hour. Taisva says it doesn't mean specifically an hour. It could be a third of an hour, a quarter of an hour. He bases himself on a Taisefta. And then the Jewish people waited for her in the desert when she had Saras for seven days. So the Gemara wonders, me dummy, is this comparable? It means you're comparing the negative and the positive. She only waited for Moshe when he was put into the... Uh, the Yardain, when he was put, excuse me, into the Yamsuf, when he was put into the Nile, for one hour. And uh, the Jewish people waited for her for seven days. means, it's not Mida Kenegad Mida. They waited longer. She received back more of a reward than what she had done the good deed. So Amrabai says, Perhaps you have to read into the Mishnah. In Yitav, it's not the same, meaning in regards to negativity and punishment, you get paid back exactly for the negative deeds you do. In regards to the reward for good deeds, <coughs> it's not exactly the same. Amalei Ravis, the Ravis says, yeah, but that's not a good way to read the Mishnah, because our Mishnah says it's the same regards to the good measure. For this, we actually had this idea of Machleg, is Abaye, learning the Mishnah Lav Dafka, like we learned earlier, Shoveres is Mikras. And uh, Rava says, yeah, but that's not the way the Mishnah actually lays it out. Elamar Rava, rather Rava explains the Mishnah as follows. Hachikatani. This is how you have to understand the Mishnah. When it says, it means in the same idea, in the same measure that a person does, they're also paid back. But in, in, in reality, the reward for good deeds is more quantitatively than that which is paid back for uh, for punishment. Meaning to say is that you'll get paid back in a similar idea, in a similar quality, but the quantity is actually more when it comes to reward. Taisus has a problem with this because there's other sugyas and shas, notably in Chagiga, that seem to contradict this principle, but that's what the Gemara here says. Okay, continues the Gemara. Now the Gemara says, we know, in regards to Miriam waiting, there's a Pasuk, it says, it says she waited from afar to know what would occur. She wanted to see what would happen with Moshe in the water, and we know what happened in regards to Bisya, taking him out. We'll learn more about that later. 
But Amrab Yitzchak Pasuk Zekuli Al Shem Shechina Ne'emar. The entire Pasuk is a reference to the Shechina. We're going to go through each word in the Pasuk and see, based on Psukim elsewhere in Tanakh, that each word is a reference to the Shechina. L'chara, what it means to say is, it's a reference to the fact that the Shechina was there every step of the way. As we'll also learn later, the Shechina was actually with Moshe Rabbeinu in his little basket. Vatisatzav, we know the word Vatisatzav is a reference to the Shechina Dixiv, as it says in Shmuel Aleph, Vayavay Hashem, Vayisyatzev, it says Hashem came and he sat. So you see, also it's a reference to Shechina. Vatisatzav, Achoysa Merachak, it says she sat, his sister sat from afar, Dixiv, as it says in Mishlei, Emor Lechachma Achoysiat, say, to wisdom, I am your sister. The point is that we see that the Shechina is also referenced to as Achaisi. Merachaik from afar, the Pasuk in Yermia tells us, Merachaik Hashem nirali. From afar, Hashem appeared to me. Ladas, Ladas, that she should know what would occur. As it says, Kikel Deus Hashem, it's in Shmuel Aleph, it says, Hashem is Kel Deus. Ma, Ladas, Ma, it says that she wanted to know what would occur. Ma Hashem Alekecha. Shoel me imach, what does Hashem request of you? It's imach. Yeah, said, what would occur? Tichsiv, as the Pasuk says, Ki lo yasa Hashem alaykim davar. Hashem alaykim does not do uh, anything, it says in Shoftim. Loi, uh, in, in Amos, excuse me. Loi, the Pasuk says, Ladas ma yasa loi, what would occur with him, with Moshe Rabbeinu? Tichsiv, as the Pasuk says in Shoftim, Vayikra loi Hashem shalom. As he called to him, Hashem shalom. So the point is, each word in this Pasuk is referenced elsewhere in Tanakh in a reference to the Shechina, because Hashem was with Moshe Rabbeinu in the basket in every step of the way. Okay, now let's get into the second point of the sugya today, which is the story of Yetzias Mitzrayim, beginning with the Gezeras that Paro made. So Vayakam Melech Chadash, it says in the story of Mitzrayim, Yetzias Mitzrayim, that a new king ascended on Egypt, got up on Egypt, and the Gemara Zemachleik Yisamarayim, Ravishmuel, Chad Amar, Chadash Mamish. So one says it was actually a new king, Chad Amr, and the other one says, that he renewed his decrees. Means until now the Jews were treated well, and now he was going to make decrees persecuting the Jewish people. According to the Shito, says that he was actually a new king. The Torah says Chadash. According to the other Shita, that he had just renewed his decrees, but not that it was an actual new king, because the Torah doesn't say in that parsha that the old king died and then the new king reigned. So the implication is it was the same king, he just renewed his decrees in the sense that he made persecution against the Jews versus the prior decrees that were appropriate. Pasuk continues, Asher layadas Yosef, he hadn't known Yosef. What does it mean he didn't know Yosef? So if you go with the Shito, it says it was the same king, Lechora, he knew Yosef. So what does it mean that he didn't know Yosef? It's as if he didn't know him at all. Meaning, it's as if he is being koifer, denying all of the good that Yosef had done for Mitzrayim, and Yosef was clearly a Jew, by doing this now, making these persecutions against the Jewish people, as if he didn't know Yosef at all. So he said to his nation, Behold the Jewish people. And essentially his advice was, they're going to become too numerous, and then they'll kick us out of the land. <coughs> Tana. The Brisa explains, who This paro started 
with the negative advice against the Jewish people first. Therefore, he was the first one who was punished. As the Psukim tell us, he started the advice first. He, the king of Mitzrayim, said to his nation, Therefore, he was the first one to get punished. As it says, with you, your nation, and all of your servants, the punishment will start with you because you're the one who started the persecution. And what was the advice that he suggested? Let us be wise with him. Now, the Pasuk should have said, with them, with the nation, with the Jewish nation. So why does it say loy to him? This paro had a, had a strategy. <coughs> Let us be wise against the savior of the Jewish people, against Zakarish Baruch This This paro, he knew what Zakarish Baruch Hu, as, as is implied throughout Tanakh, could punish people with. So he said, How should we treat the Jewish people? If we treat them with fire, Ksiv, the Pasuk in Yeshaya tells us, Hashem comes in fire. So if we treat them with fire, Hashem is going to come and punish us back with fire. In fire, Hashem will judge. If we treat the Jewish people by sword, means we kill them by the sword. It says, He consumes all flesh with the sword. So again, He'll come and kill us again by the sword if we treat them with the sword. So Ella, the paro, paro of Mitzrayim said, Let us judge and punish the Jewish people in water. Because a Kodesh Baruch has already sworn that He will not bring a flood of water to the world. Shanamar, as the Pasuk in Yeshaya tells us, Ki noyach this is the waters of Noach for me. As we know from Parshas Noach, actually, that Hashem swore he's not going to bring a mabel. So Machayra Paro had a great strategy. If we kill the Jewish people with water, so then the response to that is not going to happen because HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes me, the Kenegan Mida, and he already said he's not going to bring water as punishment, so we're going to be able to be free from uh, retribution. The guy. But Paro and Mitzrayim didn't know that it's true, HaKadosh Baruch Hu swore he wouldn't bring a mabel on the entire world. But on one nation, it's true, he could bring still, and that's what ended up happening. And by the, by the Yamsuf, uh, Paro and his nation were obliterated. Idami, alternatively, another reason he made a mistake. Who ain't I, maybe? It's true, maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu wouldn't bring a flood onto a nation. But they themselves went into the Yamsuf and then the waters collapsed back into their natural order and therefore it wasn't that HaKadosh Baruch Hu punished them actually ex exacted retribution by bringing water on them. They went into the water and therefore there was no issue with that retribution. As the Pasuk says, The Jewish people chased after the Jewish people. Uh, the Mitzrayim chased after the Jewish people. What does it mean when the Pasuk tells us <clears throat> in the matter that they intended to uh, treat the Jewish people with. So the word Zadu can also mean a pot that they cooked. But what does it mean? In the pot that they cooked for the Jewish people means in the, the punishments or the persecutions that they planned to do against the Jews, they were cooked, meaning they were punished in the way that they attempted to destroy the Jewish people. How do we know the word Zadu? It doesn't just mean they planned, but it also means the pot. The, in, in regards to the reference of punishment, as the Pasuk says, when, when it says in the beginning, um, when, when Yaakov was cooking 
the Nezir Adashim actually was cooking it because Avram had passed away and he was going to use these lentils as uh, the Seuda for his father Yitzchak, who was an Avil. But the Pasuk tells us, Yaakov Nezid, he cooked these lentils. And Amr Barab, Amr sorry, excuse me, that's the end of the Sugi. The point is, is that those same, uh, that same Lashon of cooking is what's being used for Mitzrayim. That strategy that they planned to bring to punish the Jewish people, to hurt the Jewish people, came back onto them. There were three people there at the time that this advice was suggested how to persecute and punish the Jewish people. So there were three important characters in Tanakh. Bilam, famous Bilam who was hired by Balak to curse the Jewish people. Eov, as there's a safer Eov written about how he was so wealthy and successful and then all kinds of punishments were brought on him. <coughs> and Yisro. Yisro, who became the father-in-law of Moshe, Kohen Midjan. And each one of them acted differently and they were punished or rewarded based on that. Bilam Shiyatz, Bilam gave the advice, means he was totally gung-ho about this advice that the Jews should receive um, suffering. So Nehrak, he ended up getting killed. Eov, Shashasak, Eov was silent. Didn't know what to do, he was silent. Nidom Yisurin, and because of his silence, it was sort of a uh, suggestion or a um, agreement with this negative advice that was given. So Nidam Yisro, and he was treated with suffering. Yisro Shabarach Yisro ran away. I mean, he showed his distaste for this. He said, "I want to be. I don't want to be have anything to do with this." He ran away from this. Zacham ibnei Bonav sheyashvu belishkas agazis. He was zoicha that his grandchildren would sit in the lishkas agazis in the Sanhedrin that was in the Beis Hamikdash. And Emar, as the pasuk tells in Devar Yamim, O mishpachas soifrim the mishpachas of the soifrim of scholars, Yoshve yavats those that sat uh, from yavats taratim. Shamatim Sukasim, these different families. They were the kinim that came from the house of Beis Rechev. And we know that the Pasuk tells us about Yisro, So Yisro is referred to as Kini because we know that he is referred to by that name. And also his descendants who came from him are referred to as descendants from Kinim because the descendants of Yisro were on the Sanhedrin and he was Zaycha to that because he ran away from this Eitzah, showing his disapproval for it. Okay, let's go back to the Eitzah now. The Pasuk tells us that the suggestion to, to hurt the Jewish people, to persecute the Jewish people, was that, that if some sort of a, the, the rationale for it was that if a foreign nation comes and attacks us, so they will fight with us, means the Jewish people will join together with the attacking nation, because they are so numerous, and they will fight with us, and then they will ascend from the land. Now, literally, means he will ascend from the land, referring to the other people. But really, it should have said was, they'll kick us out of the land. That's what it seems to be that they're saying. So, it should have said, they'll kick us out of the land. So, why does it say, Allah, implying that the Jews will leave the land? Or the other people will. It's like a person who curses someone else, but he doesn't want to say the curse in regards to himself because it's a bad omen. So instead, he says regards to the other people. But really what Paro meant to say was, my concern is that the Jews will join the other nations, the foreign nations that come to attack us, and then kick us out of the land. 
So he suggests that they should place on the Jewish people misim. Misim we'll see later is persecution, officers of persecution to break them down. But the problem is the word alav is not appropriate. She just said on them. Alav is singular. They brought a a mold to make bricks, and they hung it on Paro's neck. And any Jew that said, I'm sensitive and I cannot do work, the response to that Jew was, you're no more of an istinus than Paro, the Melech of Mitzrayim, and therefore you, they also got drafted into the service to make bricks for Mitzrayim. Meaning initially, they weren't forced into the service. They were brought in in a perach, as we'll learn later, in a soft way, a soft mouth literally, which means that we're working for Egypt now. Even Paro is working for Egypt. Later we're going to see the persecution became more significant and was forceful. Sorry, Misim. Who are these officers that were called Sorry, Misim? Davar Shemesim, something that oppresses and persecutes the Jewish people. Lemana Noso Bisivlosam, the Pasuk tells us in order to, literally it means is to harm him with their hard work, with their suffering. So the Gemara says, Again, it should be to harm them with their suffering, with their hard work. So why is it Anoso? Gemara answers, Lamana no so, Lefaro, really what it meant to say was, is that Paro would be the one, he himself would end up punished, Visivlosam di Israel, because of the hard work of the Jewish people. It means this was a prediction of future events, is that because of the persecution and hard work of the Jewish people in Mitzrayim, Ano so, Paro would end up getting punished. Very interesting. We find a similar idea with Haman, is that Haman was called Memuchan, Heichen Loi, is that even from the beginning of the story, HaKadosh Baruch Hu utilizes Haman to hurt the Jewish people, but he was, it was preordained that Haman himself was going to get punished because of this as well. This seems to be a common theme throughout history, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu predicts initially that I'm using this nation to harm the Jewish people, but they are being used because they're going to end up getting punished through the suffering that caused the Jewish people. They built these cities of miskinois for Paro. They endanger their <coughs> owners. Uh, she says over here, because of these cities and this hard work that they built, um, sorry, so Rashi learns, in the first chat, Rashi learns is not of endanger, but uh, the, it, I guess it, 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 yeah, I guess the danger it caused them was that they wouldn't, end up getting sunken into the sea because of the suffering they caused the Jewish people. That they make their owners impoverished. Rashi explains, it causes them poverty because of this work that occurred with them. Um, yeah, as the Bryce explains, anybody that's involved in building, they become impoverished. Rashi explains over here an alternative way to read this is through building people fall off and then there's people could end up being endangered and fall off and die and the alternative, the second is that it brings a person to poverty because apparently being involved in that profession causes a person to become poor. So two pshatim and how to read these two shitas of Rav and Shmuel. What were the cities they built up? The Gemara tells us as Pisaim as Ramses, Ravishmuel. 
So there's two shitas, what the real name was and what the descriptive term was. Chadam, or Pisam Shema, was actually called Pisam Velominik Roshma Ramses. Why was it called Ramses? She Rishon Rishon Misroises, because as they were building it, it would crumble, meaning this wasn't on solid ground. That's actually part of the suffering, is that they were building and it was constantly crumbling. There was no validity or there was no validation in this process. Chadam, or the alternative shot was Ramses Shema, was actually called Ramses. Why was it called Pisaim? She Rishon Rishon Pitahaim a similar idea is that as they built it, the depths would swallow it up. This was not earth that was fit for proper building. The Pasuk tells us, as they caused suffering to the Jewish people, so he increased them, and so he caused them to uh, be, have a have, have, uh, Reboy, increase more. So the Gemara says, Rabu Based on the grammar of the Pasuk, it should have said, So they increased and so they were fruitful. So the Gemara says, Amrish Lakish, Yerba Yifrat is the Ruach HaKodesh speaking. It's like the Torah's narrator speaking. Amrish Lakish, Ruach HaKodesh Mevasrasan. Ruach HaKodesh was saying, Kain Yerba Vichain Yifrat. You think you're going to cause them to not have children through all the suffering and oppression you caused them. I guarantee you, Kain Yerba Vichain Yifrat, they will actually increase. <clears throat> and all of your efforts will be for naught, because as we're going to see, they actually gave birth six bekeres echas, six babies in one, in one womb. continues the Gemara, and they were disgusting in the uh, in front of bnei Yisrael, disgusted by the Jewish people. The Jews were like thorns in the eyes of the Egyptians. The Egyptians could not stand them. When they saw the Jews increasing so much, they could not stand this. They saw that their efforts were for naught. And the, Jew, the Mitzrayim enslaved the Jewish people with Perach. <coughs> with Perach. And we're going to have two pshatim in this Perach. Turning to Yudal Atmud Beis. Rabbi Lazar Amar Perach, that it was a soft mouth. What does it mean with a soft mouth? So that's what I mentioned before. Meaning the first pshat the Gemara says is, it was actually done in a way that they first entreated the Jews to work, and then only afterwards they, the work became forced, but initially, actually, it was done uh, on a volunteer basis. So Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmeni says a harsher way, which is that it was actually back-breaking labor. Right? It's a body-breaking body labor. She says, B'shivar and guf, Masnayim v'chazka. By Chayim continues the Gemara. The Pasuk tells us they embittered their lives with harsh labor. With mortar and bricks. Initially, as the Pasuk says, it was just making bricks, etc. And in the end, they forced the Jewish people to do all sorts of work in the fields, wasn't limited to making bricks. Pasuk continues, all of their work that they forced the Jews to do, So this is another type of persecution. They swapped the work of the men for the women, and the work of the women uh, for the men. And even according to the Shittu, it says the first perach was perach, meaning a soft mouth, is that they engaged them initially in a way of entreatment and volunteer basis. This is certainly pricha. means this type of a hard work that they swap the work, the gender roles, this is certainly backbreaking labor because of the difficulty that it entails. 
Now the Gemara tells one of the most famous Gemaras in this Masechta, and very applicable to Pesach. In the merit of the righteous women in that generation, the Jews redeemed from Egypt. What happened is that the Jewish women never gave up hope. They held out and they knew there was going to be a Geula, but the Jewish men weren't as driven. When they would go and draw water, we're going to see what they used this water for, which was to instill hope in their husbands, to reinvigorate them. When they would go and draw water, HaKadosh Baruch Hu would prepare for them small fish in their jugs. And they would draw half water and half fish. And they would set up uh, two pots on the stove, one of warm water and one of fish. And they would bring it out to their exhausted and destroyed, mamish destroyed, broken husbands in the field. It's in the fields. They had to reinvigorate them. They had lost Koyach Gavra. They mamish lost the drive to even have relations with their wives. They were so beaten down by the work of the Egyptians. And they would wash their husbands. And they would anoint them. And they would give them to eat. They would feed them. They would give them to drink. And then they would have relations with them between the hedges. And Emma, as the Pasuk tells in Telem Samaches, if, if you will lie with them between the hedges, and because of the or shifatim, because of the merit that they uh, slept with them between the fields, they had relations with them, so that they would perpetuate the Jewish people. The Jews merited the spoils of Egypt. as it says, the uh, wings of the dove are coated with silver, and its, uh, its, its uh, limbs um, with, I believe it means, are unjeweled, with, uh, yeah, with, um, yeah, with, uh, with, with jewelry, I think, I believe. The Kivan Shemis Abrois, now once these women become pregnant, boys, Labatayim, they would come to their homes. The Kivan Shemigiaz Man Malit Noldeyan, now when, they would, when the time would come for them to give birth, the problem was if they would give birth, and they would, the Egyptians would take their babies and kill them. So Halchas Beyoldus Besad, they would go out into the fields. Tachas Atapuach, under the apple trees, Shen Emar, as the Pasuk in Yechaskel tells us, in Shirashirim tells us, Tachas Atapuach, Oyrartich, under the apple tree was your birth pangs. Begoimer, Vakarish Borakush. HaKadosh Baruch would send from the Malachim Malachim that would clean and would straighten out the child like the midwife who would straighten out the children when they're born as the Pasuk says those who help birth you on the day of your birth when you gave birth, like Karas Sarecha Uvamayam They didn't cut your umbilical cord and in water you weren't washed. Um, meaning what happened was is that there was no one there to do that, but Akarish Baruch sent Malachim messengers to accomplish the task that midwives would usually do. would prepare food for them. He gathered these two stones, one was of oil and one was of honey. And Emma, as the Pazak says, it says he 
nourished you, he nursed you with honey from the rock, and oil, meaning this was a sort of sustenance for the babies that were born there, that didn't have a mother or didn't have midwives to feed them. When the Mitzrayim realized what was going on, they saw these babies in the field, Boy in the Hargit, they would go out to the fields to kill these babies. Vinasa lahemnes, miracle occurred. Vinivloin bekarka, and these babies became absorbed in the soil. Umevi and shvar and mechorshin al gabon, but the Mitzrayim didn't give up. They brought oxes and they plowed over the land. They figured if they're absorbing the ground, so we'll plow over the ground, it'll kill them. Shenemer, as it says, lagabi charshu charshim, over the plowed area they plowed. Vigoymer, laachar shaholchan, when the Mitzrayim would leave, they would be fed up. They thought they either accomplished it or they would just leave. The Jewish children would emerge like plants from the field. Should Emma, as the Pasuk says, You grew like plants of the field. They would emerge like plants. I, I, I made you. And once they would grow up, meaning when they were older, they would come back to their homes in flocks, in groups. Should Emma, as the Pasuk says, <clears throat> the Pasuk says, Vatirbi Vatigadli, you grew up, you became older, Vatavoy Baade Adoyim. You came back with ornaments. Altakri Baade Adoyim, Ela Beedre Adorim, rather in many uh, flocks or many groups. When Akarish Baruch revealed himself at the Yamsuf, the great miraculous revelation of the Yamsuf, Hayam, Heimei, Kiru, Tehila, they recognized the Kodesh Baruch Hu first, and Emmer, as the Pasuk says, Zekeli Vanveyu. Right? They're the ones who said, Zekeli Vanveyu, this is my God and I will glorify Him, because they were the ones who had the first-hand experience in Mitzrayim, the wonders and the immediate and in- intimate connection with Hashem, as we listed above. Okay. So we've illustrated, because of the Nashim Tzidkanias, they were redeemed from Mitzrayim, they got Bizas Hayam, and all of these children and future generations of Jewish people were perpetuated. Back to the story at hand. Now, the Melech Mitzrayim said to the Jewish midwives, I know that these Jews are, are giving birth, and I want to give you an advice how to kill them. Rav Shmuel, now who were these midwives? So Rav Shmuel, Chad Amar Isha Ubita, that it was a mother and daughter. Chad Amar Kala V'chamaisa. And one says that it was a mother-in-law, daughter-in-law combination. Mandamar Yishubit, the mother and daughter, was Yechavru Miriam, which is actually what we, in the colloquial, learn. Mandamar Kalev Chamoisa, if you hold that it was a mother-in-law, a daughter-in-law combination, it was Yechavru Elisheva, Yechavru, and her son, Aharon's wife, Elisheva. Tanya, Kimanda Amar Yishubit, and now there is a Bryce that supports the one who says it was a mother-daughter, to Tanya Shifra, Yechavru, Shifra is a reference to Yechavru, Pasuk is or Shifra is the name given in the Psukim, perhaps her Egyptian name. The Lama Nikoshma Shifra, why is she called Shifra? Shemisha because she would straighten out the children when they were born. Davaracher, Shifra, Shiparu Verabu Yisrael Biyamim, that the Jews increased and were fruitful in her days. Pua, why was Miriam called Pua? Zu Miriam, the Lama Nikoshma Pua, Shaisa Pua, she would. Ku uh, to the child, calming the child down. Actually, she would call. She called out in Ruach Hakodesh Vaimeres, and she said, "I see the Imi Ben Yisrael. My mother will have a child, which is going to be Moshe Rabbeinu, that would save the Jewish people. It means years before she had done that, and therefore the name Pua was appropriate for her as well. We'll focus more on that statement a little bit later. We'll talk about the Ruach Hakodesh that Miriam had about her brother Moshe, her little brother, being the savior." 
Back to the story here, though. So Paro told them when the Jewish women give birth. It says in the Pasuk, The Pasuk says, you see them, literally it means stones. What's the reference? What was he telling them? He gave them great advice. And he said like this, When the women bent their knees to give birth, their thighs or legs become cold like stones. He's giving them advice, and then they're going to give birth and make it look like an accident that the baby has died. And others say, this is based on the Pasuk in Yermia that says, means the birthing process is like the potter. The Pasuk says, I went to the pottery place, and behold, he was sitting doing his work on the stone. What does it mean? A potter, his uh, thighs are on both sides, and the block of clay is in the middle that he's shaping. Afisha, so to the woman, Yerach Mikan, the Yerach Mikan, Vavlad Be'emts, and the child is in the middle again. The point is, he was giving the instruction about the birthing process and what they should do when the babies were born. In Ben Hu, and he said, Paro said, if it, was a, if it will be a son, Behamten, I say you should kill it. Amr Bichanina, Simigadal Master Lahani gave them a simin to know if it was a boy even before seeing the genitalia. Panav Lamala, Master Lahani. Ben Panav Lamata, the son would be born facing down. Bas Panav Lamala, and a, ch- a daughter would be born facing up. Rashi says because that's derech, kederech uh, tashmishoy, the way they would have relations classically. Uh, apparently, this is not nogeah today. I'm not sure when the mitzvahs changed, but that seems to be what Paro was giving advice to them to determine that it was a boy even before uh, other people would realize, so that he can cause an accident, which would obviously cause the child to die, without people realizing. However, we know the Pasuk tells, the, the midwives feared Hashem, Yecheved and Miriam, they did not act as Paro instructed on them. Now, Aleyan means on them, but Lohenri Boy, they should have said to them. So, why does it say on them or about them? It was about them, actually, is that Paro wanted to have relations with them, and they did not accept. And the Psukim tell us the wonderful things that these midwives did, they kept the children alive. But this Lashon of actually means is that they gave extra life. Tana, not only did not kill these children, they took care of those Jewish children and supplied them with water and food. Meaning they gave extra life, they provided for them even. So when Paro heard about this, he heard that the children were alive and he couldn't understand. So he called them in. So they said to Paro, These Jewish women, they said to Paro, these Jewish women are not like uh, regular women, rather they're like chayos. My chayos, what does chayos mean? If it means that they were saying that they were like midwives, meaning chayos can mean midwives. Does a midwife who is giving birth not need another midwife to assist her? They said to Paro, This nation is compared to wild animals. Wild animals don't have midwives assisting them. And therefore, they're giving birth. And actually, there's a, there's a basis for this assumption. Because we know the Psukim referred to the Shvatim as wild animals. Yehud is called Gor Arye, or Arye, Gor Arye a uh, lion cub. Dan is called Yehi Dan Nachash. We learned yest- uh, yesterday, two days ago, referring to Shimshon, actually. He's called a snake. Naftali Ayala Shalucha. He's a sent, uh, a sent uh, deer. Yisachar is called Hamor Garam, a donkey that can bear weight. Yosef is Bechor Shor. Yosef is called 
a uh, an ox. Binyamin is a ev yitraf and a a uh, wolf that tears up. Now the ones that we just brought references to, we brought the clear references. Like Sibbe, those other Shvatim that there's no specific reference to, Ksib, nonetheless, the Pasuk tells us in Yechezkel, Ma Imcha Levaya Ben Arayos Ravza. She is like a lioness amongst the lions she crouches. Meaning the point is, is that all of Klal Yisrael are actually referred to as Chayos, wild animals. So what they were saying to Paro has a real basis. So can continue as a reward for taking care of the Jewish babies. Hakadosh Baruch Hu made them button. Now, what's button? Rav Shmuel Chadam are bate kehuna velavia. So one shot, Rav Shmuel, one sheet that said he gave them houses of kehuna and levia. Chadam, or the other sheet that said bate malchus that Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave them. Houses of Malchus means Malchus descended from these women. According to the Fshitu, it says, It's a reference to Aharon Moshe. Actually, Moshe was supposed to be the head of Kehuna and Aharon, the head of Levia, but we know when he said, We know based on the Balaturim, also references this, but Rashi references this in Shmos, Balaturim and Tetzaveh. The idea is, is that it was it was swapped, but nonetheless, Aharon was the head of Kahuna, Moshe was the head of Leviah, and they both descended from. They both descended from. Um, Yocheved for sure, because Yocheved was the mother of Aharon and Moshe. And if you hold that it was uh, Miriam, Miriam, if you say Miriam Lachar, she was not the progenitor of Kahuna and Leviah. I guess by family she was. If you go with the other sheet, actually, it works better because Elisheva was the wife of Aharon, so she actually was the progenitor of Kehuna. Say Miriam, she was not because Miriam was married to Kali ben Yefune, who was from Shevet Yehuda. That the second sheet over here works better with Miriam. According to the second sheet, it says that Bati Malchus, Nami me Miriam Kaasi, because that descended from Miriam, the Siva Thomas Azuva. It says Azuva passed away, we're going to see as a reference to Miriam. He took Ephras, we see they both referred to her. And he gave, she gave birth to Chor. Chor was the child of Kaliv as well as Miriam. David was called the man of Ephrasi because he was a descendant of Ephras, who is also called Miriam. The point is, Miriam was married to Kaliv, and Malchus based David descended from her, so Bate Malchus was a descendant from her, which is also a descendant of Yocheved then as well. We're stopping the two dots at the bottom of Yod Aleph and Yod Beis, but as Hashem, we'll pick up tomorrow discussing what we just introduced, which is Kalev, Miriam, and the different names they're called based on their good deeds. Everybody have a wonderful day. Stopping the bottom of Yod Aleph and Yod Beis.